This is the ID Fanatic podcast coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. Today we're talking with Maureen Quende of Arlington, Virginia. Maureen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? Great. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a busy day in your household, I gather, this morning. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I mean, I, I have two small kids, so they do their best, you know, to try to, uh, to, try to get me run out of the house, but I'm still uh-huh. here. How old are they? <laughs> uh, my son's six and my daughter's seven. So for our listeners, Maureen contacted me through Devlin Peck's Slack group, where we both mm-hmm. lurk, I guess. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what we further have in common is we both decided to start podcasts at what I hope is the tail end of this pandemic in March of this year. Yeah. So since I'm asking them questions, why did you start your podcast? I had listened to um, to another podcaster. She, I was on, a guest on her show, Sarah Canistra. The name of the oh, yeah. podcast is The Overnight Trainer. So um, she invited me on her show. And so when we got together, I, I told her that I was really thinking about, you know, having a podcast where I can have the opportunity to give back to our community. And and so it just felt like it was the perfect time. There's some yeah. good podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to, uh, there's one called uh, Instructional Designers in Offices Drinking Coffee? I have been on one. I think it was Tamika's Clubhouse. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah. But it was, yeah. Yeah, I've been on that Yeah, one. Clubhouse is now big, too. That's yeah, new, it was sort great. Of venue for things. Mm-hmm. But I've been on the Ideal one, too. I've been on it, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I yeah, just no, like... Yeah, no, it's cool. I like the Clubhouse because you can just hide. You know, I was just hiding in the background, minding my yeah. business and, uh, you know, and listening in and, uh, you know... I think it's just a great opportunity to get away from social media, maybe, you know, get away from LinkedIn where you can have this other mm-hmm. space where you can just have, you know, these conversations. No, I wouldn't want to do a, a live video thing. The podcast. <laughs> no, not me. And, but, you know, when I listen to some of those shows, I sometimes just, I go and do, I have other things on the screen while I'm listening anyway, so. <laughs> um, yeah. So mm-hmm. you call yours the Empowerment Minutes. What does that mean? Yes, I mean, because I thought, you know, looking for ways to empower our community. It could be in training and development. It could be in instructional design. It could be in the leadership. It could be in the beginning phase. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, it could be in leadership. So I thought having a name that's kind of broad that can encapsulate all those areas would be great. Mm -hmm. And and the whole idea is anyone who's joining into my podcast hopefully can learn one thing or two that can help them, you know, in their job or and then they can go ahead and, and, you know, and help someone else. It's a compounding effect. So, so is there, was there a point in your career that you didn't feel empowered and that changed? I think in the beginning, right, you have like, you know, when I started off, I was like, uh, I got in the field like accidentally. I was yeah. called into, you know, a trainer role and then I got excited. And I was like, how can I grow? So at that point, you know, I was still trying to figure out my way around what courses do I need to take? Do I need to go back to school and all of that? So I didn't feel empowered because I didn't really know where where the whole thing was leading to. So mm-hmm. so at that point, I was kind of like struggling, you know, uh, trying to learn, 
uh, so much and then you know having the imposter syndrome like I, I'm just here accidentally so I probably yeah. don't fit in right so um, so at that point you know I wasn't empowered being honest with you and then when I really got into uh, instructional design I learned a lot and I became so confident at that point I was like wait I can do this I can do this and then I even started you know being uh, attending uh, conferences speaking in conferences where I had yeah, opportunity yeah. to you know leverage those areas at that point I was so empowered and I felt like okay wait I have the confidence I can assure you this is what I have you know I can bring to the table and I can empower you too so yeah yeah no that's interesting because that mm -hmm. feeling of feeling of being in control of being you know like you're not an imposter like you belong there that's very important <laughs> yeah absolutely so in your introduction episode, you say that we are the change that we want to see in L&D. What is the change that you want to see in learning and development? The change that I want to see in learning and development is many times people want to, you know, put together training and it's about the trainer. It's not about the learner, right? Mm -hmm. So the change I want to see is, you know, we're focusing on the needs of the learner. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not if, if someone, you know, comes to you and say, design this training, you want to take time to know what their needs are. You don't want to say to them, oh, I know um, Captivate is this. I can use Articulator. Mm -hmm. That might not be what they, what they need. So it's about the learner, learners. It's about understanding, taking the time to understand what their needs are and see what you can put together for them. It's not about what you can do. It's about what they need from you. Right. I, I would have hoped that that was the that was already the case. I mean, that's what instructional design is all about: figuring yeah, out what the but, need is. And... But believe it or not, you know, it's it's not always the case. Um, I am also like uh, you know doing uh, research. You know, looking. Mm -hmm. we, we have data that inform us. You know, uh, in my PhD program, you would still see. You know, many people would still be doing things the other way around. All right, I'm going to uh, refer back to your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> uh, you started your career in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, right? Yes, I, so I started in, in Tallahassee, but my LinkedIn profile, I don't have like all my jobs listed. I yeah, just, yeah. You know, I'm not, I have like a whole lot of worked in, you know, in the UK where I've lived, you know, I've also worked in Africa. I worked uh, in different in different places, so I just have like if I was to fill my uh, LinkedIn profile, it's just going to be a whole lot of information. So I yeah, thought, okay. yeah. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Africa, and I grew up until uh, probably like in my twenties, and then I started, you know, moving around. Uh, I was born in Cameroon, in West Africa, and I've had the privilege to, you know, visit other um, African nations like Nigeria. You know, where we travel around just to see what's going on in those countries, um, because they're like neighboring countries to Cameroon. Mm -hmm. And then I would take, you know, trips to London, and then I, you know, eventually uh, moved over to London, and from there I, I moved over to uh, Scotland. It's still in the UK, and then from there um, I moved to uh, moved to Tallahassee. So when uh. when I, when you go to look at um, when you look at my um, my career yeah, yeah. you would see that i've worked in all those places i have experience in different continents and you would see that you know training is perceived differently and it, it, it it's not always the same like we see it here um uh -huh. i really um got into like our field per se is when i was in the uk and i had to even take like a, a certification that, that at the time it was under hr 
um, it wasn't you know separate like you can find instructional design under education or some things like here here in, in America um, in the UK it's more like you know it's, it's under HR at the time and then when I moved over here uh, in, in, in Tallahassee I, I joined an ATD uh, chapter yeah. uh, and then I met the chapter president at the time Sue Evers and, and then you know I told her so what's instructional design what do you do you know, and then she had a consulting business and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Then okay. that's when I really had my very big, you know, uh, instructional design role at the Florida Department of Health. So you were doing training before that? You just started yes, that Yes, I UK. was doing, yes, I was doing training, even in the UK, I was doing training, like, you know, training and development facilitation face-to-face. Yeah. -face. And you uh, were de delivering other people's courses when you started okay. i i was delivering other people's courses and then you know and then after when i started instructional design so excited about it and i just couldn't stop you can tell i went yeah. afterwards and i did a master's in yeah. instructional design and uh now in my phd program so you can tell i just love the field I'm yes that's anywhere. a lot of that's a lot of schooling <laughs> i know i just love school you can tell <laughs> you think, so when you're looking for research in instructional design or in training, there are a lot of good research behind a lot of uh, what we do, or is a lot of it based on sort of experience and instinct and, you know, certain people put together things like Bloom's Taxonomy or Addy or whatever? How do you see the research in the field, or is that something that needs to be built up? I think the research in the field, it's okay, but it still needs to be built up. And what I'm working on my dissertation is, you know, looking at how people are leveraging the models, even in their workplace. You mentioned, like, are the people just going off of their intuition? That's abductive thinking. Even people who have the degrees, people who know the, the, the RD models and, and the different frameworks, are they even using it at all? What's their basis? Um, and is your research, uh, does it consist of surveys of, of practitioners or what are you doing? Yes, I would have surveys. Um, I don't want to share so much because I'm like yeah. almost there. Um, I'm going to be sharing that on. But uh, that's so, the, on the methodology. Media. Your yes. methodology, though, is surveys of practitioners. Well, that's just what, a piece of it. My, what, what I'm going to use is I'm using a design, uh, you know, a design based research. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say oh, I'm a qualitative or quantitative. I use design-based research, which is kind of like a mixed method. So it includes uh -huh. surveys and then it includes, you, you know, even working with pr practitioners, actually observing what they're doing. You oh. know, so seeing how what you're telling me and what I observe for myself, if they're, they're actually in sync or not. Uh -huh. You know, so um, um, so it's a, it's a mix of all those methods. So how, how, do, you, it, how do you do observation? It's you'd have to like have to um, find identify you know participants for you know for a particular area. I don't want to share yeah. much as I said, um, and then from there I would have to work with them to see how I can come in at the times that they have projects where I can uh -huh. see what they're doing. Um, they're gonna we're gonna probably have to sign you know um, yeah. you know an IRB a document that you know that gives me permission to do that. And that I can observe them, and I would also have, you know, confidentiality that I'm not sharing whatever mm -hmm. um, information, and it's going to be password protected and all of that. Mm. And then the, yeah. the findings, I would always have them because I'm a constructivist. So what that means is, you know, I, I believe that, you know, me and the participants are, are co-creators of knowledge. So I'm not just having them come onto the show, uh, come onto, you know, my study. I want them to be part of it. So yeah. whatever I find, I would want to share with them. And then so we're on the same page. There are no um, hidden agendas or whatever. It's part of, you know, quality or research in, 
mm -hmm. you know, ethics. So I want to make sure I'm as, as transparent with them as possible in this process. And then uh, we'll see what happens, right? Then I will share the findings. This is what I found. We might be in for a surprise. We might not be in yeah. for a surprise. But I want to go in with a neutral mind as much as possible. So that way, you know, I eliminate any form of bias, um, you know, with uh, working with them and what I'm able to get out of it. It's exciting, actually. So that's Good. what I'm going to be working on this summer. And so you're probably going to see that on, on social media. You might be part of my study. Who knows? Huh. <laughs> you might well, be I part have, of my study. If yeah. I have a job, that would be good. Yeah, you <laughs> will be a good have starting a job. point. Yeah, you will have a job. Um, now, some of the traveling around you did. So you, you did, was it uh, job related? How did you get from from Cameroon to London to Scotland? I think I I, I think one of my favorite things I like to do is travel. Although I think you know right now my traveling has stopped because at the time. You know, I did not have, you know, children, so mm -hmm. um, it was easy for me to move around, you know, and I have, you know, family members all around the group who like to travel. But, you know, now I, I don't think I can go anywhere else because I have two children to string, uh, you know, well, you've been with me and, you uh, were in you've been there for over 20 years now where you're in, yeah. in Florida and, and Virginia. Yeah, so I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck so now. So you're pretty settled. <laughs> yes, I am. I would say, and 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 I love it. So that's fine. So. And was Florida to Virginia? Was that job related? Oh no, I moved to Virginia actually because I got married, and my husband is a fireman, so he works, you know, at the Fairfax County. So I had to move over here. Huh. I I was like, I didn't even want to leave Florida. I loved Florida so much, yeah. and uh, and when I moved over here, you know. I think the, the the winter was like so harsh and I, I told my husband, I think I'm going to run away. <laughs> and he told the me, winter is harsh in Virginia. It, I mean, compared to Florida, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. even snow in Florida. So I was oh, like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. You know, um, if you have lived in Scotland when it's so cold, like that's right. So cold, yeah. You would want to just stay in Florida. Like you don't want to deal with any of that. Right. So um, it was it was like a, a huge, uh, you know, sacrifice I had to make. So, yeah, so that's why I, I moved over here. And uh, I still miss, miss Florida. I go back over there uh, maybe every couple of years. Uh, my mm -hmm. kids love going to Disney World. So yeah. we might be going back there maybe next year. Yeah, I love Florida. It's like home to me. And so now you're involved with the university in Fairfax. Yes, because you asked me the question if I was wanting to, uh, you know, be a professor. At some point, yeah. yes, because I feel, you know, um, you know, with all this experience and I'm interested in research, why not? So um, I'm taking that route now. Um, hopefully I'm going to, you know, get into academia and, uh, you know, do uh, keep doing, um, you know, research how I can contribute to our field. Yeah, that's I think that's the trajectory. That's where I'm going to end up probably. Okay. Uh, so I want to ask you about uh, augmented reality. I know about the Pokemon Go craze that came and went a few years ago, but tell me how uh, augmented reality fits in with uh, learning and development. I think it's just it's it's just it's just fits in perfectly because um, just like virtual reality, um, when I think of you know, like when you're, for example, if you're working with a client who is maybe a, a surgeon, right, or, you know, in an environment where you need to use those, you know, artificial 
uh, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, or virtual reality, for people to really sim have like simulations where things look so real, that's when you know I see how we can leverage those. So um, depending on your client needs, if that's what you're working on, I would definitely see the benefit of using those tools. But if if uh, you know those options, but if you know you're not anywhere around that area, you're just maybe. Uh, you know, your learner, I would go back to your learner. If the need doesn't require any of that, then, um, you know, by all means. I have a friend who, that's her actually area of uh, research. Um, mm -hmm. She's actually settled in on that right now. I was talking to her yesterday and I said, oh, maybe you, sh you can come onto my podcast and really, you know, talk a, a lot about this is your area and I'm going to leave it with you. And she said, oh, well, okay, so that's fine. She, she might be on my podcast in a couple of weeks and, uh, so I would spare our listeners, you know, until when maybe Teresa gets on my podcast, where she would really go. She would, she is like, that's her baby. So I'm going to leave it here where she's mm -hmm. going to give us the A to Z, you know, you know, everything about, you know, uh, augmented reality. I'm going to just leave it at that. But I would say, you know, it, it definitely impacts our field. It all goes back to what the learners needs are and we can definitely leverage it. Mm. So I like to ask this question of everyone. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, 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 I'm nothing, nowhere close to where I wanted to be. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a journalist. Oh, um, really? And, and, and I wanted to be a journalist. You know why? I yeah. was just fascinated by the people I see on TV. I was like, I want to be on TV. I want to be on TV. It's interesting. Uh, my seven-year-old asked me this question yeah. uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago when she, I was recording my podcast, and she asked me, "So, what do you want to be when you grow up?" So I told her, you know, what I just told you, and she said, "Oh, I see. That's why you know you have your podcast because it feels like you're on TV. <laughs> <laughs> see things probably. Well, you know, it's a, it's things. a it's adjacent to journalism, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So she it's she interviewing. Says, she says that. Yeah, it's interviewing, but. That's what, you know, what I wanted to be. And, uh, and then now, you know, I'm doing something else. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I said, But child, you went to school, you, when you went to university, you went for linguistics. Yes. Uh, why, just, why, not journal, why not journalism? Yes, because after the journalist thing, I said, you know what? I want to be a translator. And then I, and I um, went into linguistics and I said, okay, I'm going to be, you know, because I speak, you know, English and French. So mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to be, you know, be, be doing that. So in my, the early part of my career, I used to do, you know, some translation and stuff. And I, at one point I was like, oh, well, I'm sick of it because I can speak French and English anyway. It's not, it's not exciting. So that's why, you know, I, you know, I went back to school to do what I do now. So, yeah. You know, now with instructional design, um, we're now going into learning engineering, right? Because, you know, they're always getting into how the brain works and, you know, how, um, yeah. how we can you know be part of the design itself so when you think about that then linguistics would definitely work well i did a cognitive science degree and mm -hmm. one of the courses we had to take was a first year linguistics and uh it was very it was very interesting how <laughs> that you that you well first of all it's interesting that all human languages share so many characteristics and have yeah. a common origin didn't mm -hmm. know that and how we predict what people are going to say when we're listening to them mm -hmm. you know that that sort of strange sort of uh things that we do when we're when we're speaking and thinking that uh we're not aware of yeah and some of that fits into instructional design some of that fits into 
sort of anticipating what your what your learner is thinking and trying to work with that. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you on that. So yeah, how would you describe your work-life balance? My work-life balance is interesting to say the least because uh, um, I do a lot of things. You know, I, I work full-time and then I'm also, you know, in a PhD program. I have two kids. I, I know, you're lot, very I, busy. I have a, a lot going on. but um, And I also, I I'm a graduate research scholar that I, you know, work with my professors to, to um, mm-hmm. you know, do some research, you know, in addition to what I do in the program. So it's a lot. But for me... I just, you know, I just try to to make it work, uh, and uh, I do a, I do work out six days a week. To me, that's like a stress relief. So when I work out, it just makes me to, you know, kind of like mellow a bit. You can take do yoga or uh-huh. you know do some other things that I, it can just help me to calm down. I pray a lot, and uh, you know, those are ways that I just used to, you know. Um, you must have good daycare there in in Virginia too. Good daycare. I mean, yeah. not with not with COVID, right? With the COVID daycare came to an end, but that's oh. why I'm so glad right now. So that now must that, have made things very hard. Yes, it was like really hard. I've had like my kids, you know, running around in my meetings, but now, you know, things are opening back up and they go back to school like two days a week. So I'm so glad when I drop them off in school, I can really focus on, uh, on my work. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And your husband's a fireman. Does he have, like, is he on emergency call, or how does that work? He actually, he is like a, 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 a lieutenant. He, so what he does is he has 24-hour uh, shifts, right? So that's uh-huh. it adds to my part, part of my craziness because when he's gone, he's gone. Like, yeah. so he, he comes, like, so he means he's back home every other day, so to speak. But then the, the good thing about their schedule is that when he works three days every other day, then he will have four days that he's just at home. So that way, uh, if you look at it, he, it means he works like 10 days a week, a month, so to speak. But, you know, it's just that when you need him, he's out, you know, uh, saving lives. We've had, we've had, you know, times where, well, we have like an emergency and I can't, you know, get, get to my husband. I call the firehouse. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, where is my husband? Where is the lieutenant? And he said, oh, he's out in a, in a fire or he's in a call. And I'm like, Okay, well, I needed you to save me now. <laughs> I guess you have to go save someone else. So that's uh, that's you know that's the nature of the beast. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So we just make it work. We make it work. So it sounds like you're working all the time. But do you have any time to yourself? And and if so, what do you like to do? The time with myself is uh, it's just it's it's I don't really have much time. Being honest. But whenever I'm able to squeeze some time, you know, I, I, I'm able to, you know, probably watch a show, catch up on a next week's show or watch yeah. TV or even if just I love to read and I love to research. Believe it or not, it mm-hmm. instead helps me when I'm, you know, researching now just what I want to research versus finding things for work or anything like that. So that's how I would, you know, just, you know, take it easy um, and then from there get back to work. But I think my life is going to probably start slowing down next year because I'm going to be a PhD candidate by the end of this year. I'm wrapping up my coursework by the end of this year. So so next year, I'm just going to be writing my dissertation. So things are going to kind of slow, slow down a little bit. I can't wait, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm no, so, sounds... so looking forward to it, yeah. Sounds like you deserve a break. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Definitely. I can't wait. That's the two-minute warning. To wrap up, I would <laughs> like to ask... Uh, these 10 questions from the Actor Studio 
TV show uh, in in the States. I don't know if you ever saw it on PBS. So uh, it's just 10 questions that uh, you just answer the first thing that comes into your head. All right? Uh, Okay. You ready? (laughs) All right. 10 questions. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite word? My favorite word is empowered. Mm. What's your least favorite word? Well, my least favorite word would be anything negative. So, like, no. I I don't Mm -hmm. like hearing the word no. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? What turns me on is success. You know, I I just, I really want to succeed. And uh, so, whatsoever I need to do to succeed, you know, it's a great turn on for me. And what turns you off? What turns me off is procrastination. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, it just it's just making things slow down for me. You can tell I'm on the fast lane all the time. So <laughs> I need things getting done. I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, you know, procrastination is kind of a turn off for me. What is your favorite curse word? I don't have a curse word, um, but the... British curse word I would always use is bloody hell. That's the mm. that's all I would say. I don't say anything else. So bloody hell, I'm so mad when I do that when I say that. What sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise do I love? Music. I just love music. Uh any any music that's like uh melodic. What's your what's your favorite music? Have you got a genre that you like? Oh my God! I can't really tell what my favorite music is. I just love classical music. I love—I don't know if you know about this artist, Richard Bonnard. He's—you know—he's a Cameroonian-born artist who lives here in the United States. He's a jazz musician. He's so uh-huh. great. So I—you know—anything that he plays, I dance to it. Cool. Um, what sound or noise do you hate? So like, I just cannot stand like when I'm in. Like so loud noise, like the noise from the fire engine. It's it's unbelievable. That's what my husband does all the time, but it drives <laughs> me crazy. When the thing goes off, I'm like, oh my God, I know someone needs help, but this thing is going to drive, it's just blowing my mind. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting how I hate it, but I, I you know, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think I know the answer to this next question. What profession... <laughs> Other than your own, would you like to attempt? What profession? Can you say that again? What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. What profession other than my own? Well, I don't know if I still want to be a journalist, so I'm going to leave that there. But what profession I would like to attempt is I would like to be a good lawyer. Like many people have told me, Maureen, I think you would make a good attorney. So, mm. yeah. So that's a profession I would like to attempt. Probably in my second life, maybe. I <laughs> uh, certainly don't have any time in this one to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, you know when, a, when the nest is empty, you go back to school, whatever. Who knows? Um, right. Who what knows? profession would you not like to do? I wouldn't like to be a police officer. Um not that I don't think they do a good job, but uh, um, it's quite risky, so I'm going to leave that to someone else. Mm. And finally, 
this is the the heaven question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You ran a good race. Welcome home. You did great. Can you hear that in the background? Did you hear the phone ringing in my background? Yes. Yes, I did. You did? Yeah. Is that ringing you, from heaven then? No, yeah. I guess an angel just got its wings. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. I hope, uh, I know, I don't know what you expected, but this is it. <laughs> this was great. I just want to thank you for the opportunity. And uh, um, I just love the format. Everything about your podcast is amazing. And I hope your listeners would find something useful from our conversation. All so right. Thanks a lot for having me. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and write a review, good, bad, or ugly. Let me know what you think. That link is kite.link slash theidfanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye, bye, bye.